they did a study. Let's just say I was mad at Marcus, okay? This yeah, is even yeah. better. And I see him get this tire changed, and I pull over, and I help Marcus change his tire. Scientifically, his dopamine levels would go through the roof in him. I would have increased levels of this chemical that makes you feel good. But then they found out that mere observers had increased levels of this chemical as well. Welcome to the After Church Hour with Mike and Lori Phillips. In this podcast, we dive deeper into God's Word and unpack the revelations given to Pastor Mike and his teaching team. Now, expounding on loving what God loves, here's Mike and Lori. This is Pastor Mike Phillips, Senior Pastor of Pathway Church, and this is the After Church Hour with Mike and Lori, and I'm here with my beautiful wife this morning, uh, Pastor Lori Phillips. Hello, everyone. Yep. And so uh, we just finished our fourth message in our series, True Love, and it's called First Love. And we got that that idea right out of Revelation 2, 1 through 7, the first letter that John on the Isle of Patmos wrote to the seven churches in Revelation. And so uh, this was the church of Ephesus. Now, if you remember back, he wrote a letter, an epistle, 30 years earlier to the church at Ephesus called Ephesians. And the whole book really went in and out of this idea of love, but that's where he established the idea of what I'll call a spousal love this morning. Oh, this morning. I don't know what you're listening to this on right now. He's like, I used to preach on Sunday morning. Uh, this is still morning. It is morning, right? It is literally morning while we're recording. I don't know what time it is where you're listening. but uh, So a spousal love, uh, if you'll remember, and this is where we, we use this uh, passage a lot. Pastors use this passage a lot. Uh, when we're doing weddings, but it's Ephesians 5, 22 through 32. And it begins with, wives, be subject to your husbands as unto the Lord. And and then Paul goes in and out of husbands and wives and Christ and the church. You know, I hear about that, Michael. Uh-huh. That you um, care about your spouse more than you do yourself, what they think about and stuff like that. Yeah. Because we care about what the Lord thinks, right? That's why we read the Bible to see what he likes and do not like. Right. So we should do that with one another. Right. And I think people are pretty accepting, or they should be pretty accepting. Let me let me start over. They should be universally accepting <laughs> of this, because this is what God says, right, uh, about marriage. But what I got out of this this time was, as Paul was using an example of a type of a relationship at a time when marriage was really reverenced. Mm-hmm. You know, there was, and divorce was unheard of. And it was one man, one woman for life. You know, there wasn't any of this love is love. You make up your own mind. So here, he wasn't just describing the attributes of love like we get in Galatians. He's actually describing a relationship that is God-type love. And then he says, now, this is a great mystery how two become one. But then he goes, he says this, uh, the last verse, 32, but I'm speaking, or all this was actually about Christ and the church. What he was saying here is, is this is how Christ and the church should function. So we know that Jesus is head of the church. We're his body on the earth. It's an, it's an example that we're given all through Scripture. <clears throat> so if we would remember where his hands and his feet, and his hand and feet and eyes and ears, all these sort of things, we would conduct our life differently. But the thing I got out of this was, is he was speaking beyond husbands and wives or beyond the global church and Christ. And he was talking about how we are to love people. Okay, so I touched on 
the wedding vows, because uh, we know the greatest law, Jesus said, is to love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And the second commandment is like the first commandment. In other words, basically they're one thing. So you 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 love God by loving what He loves people. But then that the way you love people, He defined in an espousal way, described what love is and what love isn't. In Galatians, it's always patient, it's always kind, it's never selfish, all these things, remember? So, because here's what happens, and this is modern relativism, that everybody has their own individual truth. Now, Marcus and I were just talking about this, and this, 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 uh, this opens the door to so many modern topics. Um, if we all get to decide our own individual truth, then there is no higher law, there is no high, no, no, there's no God, right? We're our own highest moral authority. It's called relativism. And that is strictly, uh, that, first of all, it's a lie. God is the arbiter of all truth. Uh, all truth comes from him. So he has established what love is and what it's not, what it looks like and what it doesn't look like. And what I want us to get out of this Ephesians 5, 22 through 32 is, of course, how to be good husbands and wives, but then just how to be a godly brother or sister or neighbor, even the lost people. And I'm, I want to say especially the lost people, but I personally find it easier to be loving and patient towards lost people than I do Christians at times. Mm-hmm. It's like I have expectations of Christians uh, and then I'll, I, and I don't love them this way. But you know, this, this connects right back to love thy enemy. So you, Jesus took it to the extreme, loved his enemy, persecuted on the cross in such a way that we're commanded to love each other. Because Jesus says, what does it gain you if you treat somebody very well than who is a good person and treats you well, right? But you gain if you treat somebody very well that don't deserve it, you know. In other words, they probably called you a bad name, talking behind your back. That's minimal, yeah. But see, you don't go out and cause them harm. You pray for them. And when you do see them, you say, hey, you know, if they say, hey, you're back or not, that's, that's their business. But you have no malice towards them. You're not trying to get back. And your heart is right. Yeah, because... It's a bigger picture. It, he, he's not saying, you know, don't love people that are easy to love. No, he's, that's easy. But there is a reward. I'm glad you brought that up. There is a reward, <clears throat> obviously attached or gain, something to profit attached to loving somebody that's hard to love. So let's talk about that a minute. What, what would those rewards be? Mm-hmm. I have some thoughts. For me... Uh, you get to walk around with confidence mm. in yourself that you did the right thing because you just know that the Holy Spirit tells you yeah. that you're walking in the confidence, you're doing right, you're in right standing by Him. That's one, but that's one blessing to me. Yeah. Another blessing is you can say now you have authority and a right to say and witness and testify that you, when you say something, that you did it. Yeah. You're not just saying it and and being a hypocrite you're saying it because you did it did it yourself yeah no you're living and that is a blessing and reward no that's right with it within (laughs) you the holy spirit is your witness yeah that's the reward well okay and now of course we know there are eternal rewards Mm -hmm. right but just i'm just going to talk about earthly rewards here okay so I did it years ago when I first got in ministry. And I was in Montgomery. Remember, we did the little radio spots called Life Notes. 
because we had Life Song Church and yeah. I had these little little sixty second spots. Everybody the liked those, by the way. Yeah, little, you know, little just little nuggets very, of truth. Very positive, I thought. Well, the first one I ever did was called the Science of Nice. Yeah, and that science had discovered that uh, just a just any sort of it could be a random act of kindness cause I can't remember the name of the chemical. It's not serotonin; it's something else. But anyway, whatever chemical makes you feel good. Right, it's what drugs want to <clears throat> create more of in your in your brain <clears throat> that it would that, that it would go through the roof. They did a study, and what's interesting is how they measured different levels of. The, I want to get into that because anyway, they had to take urine samples. So I believe that. Well, that's all. How did you pull this off? So anyway, uh, scientists found out that when so let's just say I'm going down the road and I see somebody with a flat tire. Like with Marcus, because Marcus definitely ain't gonna change no flat tire. <laughs> I don't either. I call AAA. And let's just say uh, Marcus is is try, you know trying to change his tire, and I pull over, mm-hmm. and I say, "Hey man, can I help you?" And I start helping him. Now this is interesting, Marcus. I think you'll be interested in this because we're talking about rewards. Okay, so say I don't know you, and uh, you know I'm gonna go a step further. Let's say that Marcus was a jerk to me because everybody knows Marcus, and they know he's you know he's like that. <laughs> Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> Let's just say I was mad at Marcus, okay? This yeah, is even yeah. better. And I see him get this tire changed. Now, this is this would be a good parable. Jesus would have used this parable. And I pull over, and I help Marcus change his tire. Because me and him are on the outs. He said something bad about me, but I helped him anyway. Scientific, scientifically, his, whatever it was, dopamine levels, I can't remember the name of the chemical. That chemical would go through the roof in him. I would have increased levels of this chemical that makes you feel good, okay, which is, that's great. But then they found out, and this is how I don't know how they did that because you had to have have urine samples, but that mere observers of the act of kindness had increased levels of this chemical as well. So you think about this, and this is, because we believe science uncovers or discovers God. So God put something in place that when we go beyond how we feel, when we're unselfish and we're kind to somebody, even if they were unkind to us, that there's a chemical in the body. Now, people won't talk about the theory of, you know, random, life is random, this is bull. There's a chemical in the body that rewards you by you feeling better for an act of kindness. And everybody who observes it, and I'm about to tie this to Scripture, everybody who observes it also feels better, right? Everybody wants to feel better. Okay, so you don't need drugs. You got to be kind. Okay, think about this. The Bible calls us salt and light in the world. That a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Okay, so in the world, we are, let's just say light. We'll just stick with light right now. So if the world is darkness and we're light, we shine very bright in the world if we're shining. So when in the world, on the job, in traffic, which is, you know, my great area of struggle, in the store, uh, you know, when something's going on, you don't like it. And our light shines there, and we're still loving, according to Scripture, that our light shines brighter. And I'm, I'm just going to say, there's an instant reward that chemicals are actually released in your body, the person's body that you're kind to, and everybody that sees it. So everybody feels better. I really think it's serotonin you're talking about. It could be. Because I'm looking it up. Yeah. It's a natural chemical in the body. Well, what does it go with serotonin? Yeah. Okay. So... So here's science discovering a scriptural principle that we didn't even know. So there is an actual instant reward here. Now, 
There are other rewards beyond that in that when we put down our flesh or we act against how we feel and we obey God's word, we grow. It's like uh, exercising and you, I was watching a video last night on YouTube and this guy was really straining to lift this weight. And when he was done, he grabbed his arms, his muscles here because it actually causes your muscles to split. But when they heal, they're stronger and bigger. I've heard of that sort of thing. I'm not sure of it. I'm sure it happens because I saw it on YouTube. But um, so if we exercise our spiritual muscles of loving the way God loves and doing, you know, kindness and patience and all these sort of things, we're stretching that spirit man. We're so we're we're splitting and hurting that fleshly man. And you're giving so him ring. See that way you're giving him ring. Yeah, more of Jesus, less of me. Yeah. Now that's not a reward. That's a reward. Because when we act like the world, let's be honest, it doesn't make us feel better. No, it makes you feel worse. Yeah, and it, you know, I mean, I don't know, maybe in the long run you feel like, well, I showed them or I told them, but then later the Holy Spirit's going to come back and go, now, Mike, that's not how I love you. That's not how. And I think the point is this. We, I heard a great preacher one time say, God will give you all the grace you're willing to give away. Think about this. We love the scripture of seven times 70 in a day, forgive this way in terms of God forgiving us this way. Uh-huh. Endless forgiveness, endless grace, endless patience from God to us. Until we have to do it, right? Yeah. That's and then different. we don't, then when it comes to somebody, you know, hey, look, you ever heard this? You're getting on my last nerve. Oh, yeah. How many times I said that with the kids? Oh, Lord. <laughs> you're getting on my, in other words, one more strike and you're out. You know, we, we, God is saying, I want you to love the other person, even if they're your enemy, the same way that I love you and that you definitely want me to love you. Yeah. Now, I'm going to just get this out of the way. This is hard. It's a simple truth, but this is hard because the flesh wants to fight. The flesh doesn't want to hurt. We want to win. We want, you know, we've got our ego and these sort of things. But the rewards are immense that when we do it God's way. And, and, and God's way is not like getting in somebody's business. And want to micromanage them no. and stuff like that. Hey, you know, the Bible, don't micromanage them. Let the Holy Spirit do that. Yeah, Mark, did you hear that with the micromanaging? Come but, on. <laughs> I can't use that for an excuse. Oh, I know. And, and want to jump in somebody's business and, and said and want to beat them up with the Bible and verses. But if it ain't oh, in man. their heart and they don't receive that revelation, then you're doing it with no avail. No, it's a hundred percent. Only the Holy Spirit can teach him. One hundred percent. But here's what you can do as your own person, without micromanaging. Pray to the Lord for Him to help them to understand. You know what? You know what I found out about prayer. Prayer is numero uno for me. Yeah. Because if I pray for God to fix somebody before, if I pray long enough, God will fix me, and He'll let me don't know worry about somebody. And so you, in prayer, it's about taking that burden off of you about somebody else that you can't handle anyway, and letting, and then giving the, you know, letting the Lord correct you in a loving way, and you learn and grow, and don't be worried about the other guy. Now, see, this is what I'm hearing. That walk is singular. It's your walk. It's my walk. Yeah. And it's not putting the what the Lord's trying to teach us on somebody else. That don't Which work. is very that's easy to you, do. That's that is specifically <clears throat> everybody's in different areas in the walk. Yeah, 
Everybody, God knows who to work on in areas. We don't know. He we knows. don't. Yeah, he knows. But see, it's the thing about us. Are we doing the right thing? See, when you're in judgment, you, you can't blame anybody else. Everybody's going to be judged. You can't blame the next person. He's only going to focus on you at that time. That's really what prayer's about. The prayer's about me getting in the presence of God to reboot my own spirit, my own self. Yeah. Let him. So when, when Jesus himself said uh, to the church at Ephesus, you're doing a lot of good stuff. You know, he literally, they were doing what Paul told them to do in Acts and guard the sheep, man, watch out for false apostles. And that's what they were doing. And obviously they were doing that great, but Jesus was like, that's good. But you've left or forgotten or gotten away from the first love. That, that word actually means principle. So principle love, it's the principle of love or the principle type of love. <clears throat> so you got good at guarding the sheep, but you forgot why you're guarding them. Okay. Yeah, and need to do it, isn't it? Yes. So we get good at you know. I'll just speak for ministry. We can get good at ministry, but then we can forget why we're doing it in the first place, and then it's very empty. Or as Christians, we can get good at a lot of stuff. You know, we can know the Word and have a great prayer life and be a great worshiper, but forget why. You know, why does why do we have the gifts of the Spirit? Oh, they have the gifts of the Spirit. So you we have to be healthy as Christians. Yeah, but. Why do you need to be healthy as Christians? Well, if you're not a healthy Christian, you're not light. I'm going to come back to that. You're not light of the world. People aren't attracted to somebody that's just like them. I was thinking about this the other day. Christianity is all about sacrifice. So if we are like the world, and yet we're committing to all this sacrifice, to me, the logic of the world would be, well, why would I, why would I commit to all this sacrifice that Christ calls me to, you know, to live? And you're just like me. You're just as mad as me. You're just as impatient as me. You're just as greedy as me or whatever. The principle of love is there to keep us as close to Christ-like as we can be so that lost people want what we've got even when they don't know what it is. And can I tell you the easier way to stay there? Yeah. Is having a relationship with the Lord. You know what? You be you, you can stay. When you have that relationship, you begin to talk like him, act like him, love like him. You'd know his heart when you have that relationship. And it goes deeper and deeper and deeper. And you have to spend time. Yeah, you got to spend time with him. And and shutting yourself up in the closet, as the word says, is spend some time with him. And the good time doing that is when you first get up in the morning. I find it's the best time, the good time, because everything's quiet then. You know, one of, one of my Lori's favorite, I say pastors, but really theologians, was Chuck Missler. Yeah. Did he pass? He still, yeah, he passed, he passed away, away in 2015, I believe. And when I was reading his commentaries on this section, he, he talked about, he said that, yes, we. he said, he said this, I love this. He I had said, not passed away, but he graduated. He graduated. <laughs> he said that giving and serving are opportunities, but you were made for fellowship. Yeah. With the Lord and people. So he said, love God. And then love people the same way you love God or the same way he loves you. That's what we were made to do. And God's first. See, if you notice how love God, then people. Because that's where you get That's where you get it. Did you see Jesus, how he loved God? Yeah. Spent a lot of time with God, yeah. especially early in the morning. Yeah. He spent a lot of time with God so he can spend time with people. If you don't spend time with God, you're going to have a tough day with people. Yeah. 
I'll say that. I, I'll say that from my own experience. And then with uh, if you can, if you heard him sometimes when he's walking with the disciples and stuff, and the disciples get in the bickering contest, especially about the sons of thunder, about what their mama said. Can I be on the right hand? Another disciple got all like mad about it. Oh yeah. Then you hear Jesus, the little frustrations in there, trying to mm. put things right, you know. And then sometimes they say, "How much? How long I must be with you? <laughs> how long?" You can hear that a little bit. Uh, and then he gets away from everybody, gets in the get in the boat, okay, go across the sea, <laughs> trying to get that special time with the with his father, right? In other words, if you approach this like. Okay, I get it. It's a commandment. I got to do it. You're going to have our time with it. Yeah. Now, Jesus made it clear it is the utmost thing. In fact, Jesus said every single thing hangs on this. Yes. It it's really one thing. Whoa. Love God, love people the way God loves you. Yeah. And, Everything hangs on. And if you don't love God, I'm going to tell you this. You won't even love yourself. Well, I was going to say this. If you don't receive the love of God. Yeah. Marcus brought up something earlier this morning. We were talking about a future message that he's going to bring. Uh, is God still the same, I think, in our series or summer long series called Build a God Workshop? In other words, people, you know, just turning God into whatever they want. Um, <clears throat> we were talking about earlier this morning that uh, he had told a, a, a really prominent pastor in the area how I struggled when I was lost with the idea of, God demanding that all life be wiped out in certain areas or things like this, or even, you know, the flood. I mean, you just look at the flood, like, boom, everybody's gone. And I said, well, it's weird, Marcus, because I didn't struggle in the sense of why would God do that? <clears throat> it caused a struggle in my life because I always just thought, you don't want to tick God off. I don't stay out of his way. So it kept me from having an intimate relationship with the Lord, with the Father. And because I didn't have an intimate relationship with the Father, I really didn't receive his love. Right, I didn't really understand how he loved me. And so I didn't know I understand how to love people. And even today, if I get away from that time with the Lord, um, where I'm reminded and feel and experience and receive his love, if I don't do that, I become unloving in the moment. Yeah, I do think that's a critical part of this message. If we're gonna <clears throat> if we're gonna love the way God says to love, it can't just be a rule. Now I gotta do it. Because Jesus made it clear in the New Testament, every single thing now, every single thing after the cross is about the heart, right? In the Old Testament, if you cheated on your wife physically with another person, you were uh, you were guilty of adultery. Jesus said, well, now if it's in your heart, you've committed murder, you've committed adultery, whatever the case may be. Well, he, he wasn't saying, you know, well, you just can't win now. No, what he was saying is a higher standard because the heart is what God always wanted. And so the higher standard now is because of Christ, we can do these things that before were just keep a rule to keep. But if we try to go back to keeping a rule, man, it won't work if it doesn't come out of fellowship with God. And watch and watch the lie of the uh, of the deceiver, because some I have seen this and people see and I have seen people say this, especially the um, actors and stuff. They they will say, hey. Now, Marcus is laughing. I heard them. I heard them say, or a lot of people have said this. I heard a lot of people say this. I love myself. I don't have a problem with not loving myself, and they don't even serve the Lord. And this is a deception. I'm God. Oh no, it comes out of humanism. I'm God, 
And that is a deception. No, but now here's the It's all self-centered. Yes, you love yourself, but it's self-centered. If, but you, where's your love for Essentially, we're commanded to love ourselves. But if that doesn't translate into godly love for others, and if what you're saying is is like what you just said, it's self-centeredness, it's not true loving, truly loving yourself. And I had a heard your other person say, I'm not a wretch. I don't need to be saved. I'm not a wretch. Okay. So I have heard people say that. But listen, he's talking about where a wretch in a sense is, without him, we will die and live in this hell torment forever. Mm -hmm. Do you know what uh, literally in the Bible days a wretch was? Yeah, yeah, where a dead per person was. The dead, the dead person was the wretch. Yeah. And it was a punishment. I don't, I'm going to uh, get a little... I can't talk about it. It's gross. Like, the, if you killed a person, sometimes they make you wear Yeah, they I got to move on. <laughs> I, I can't, can't deal with that one right there, man. I'm just kind of imagery and stay over there. And then you wear it for so long, your yeah, skin will grow I, into the. That's, that's what I want to talk about. Yeah, and um, you get everything so, that thing got on you. So. Yeah, here's the deal, man. <laughs> when we... When we get spiritually blind like that, we're in spiritual darkness like that, then repentance is impossible. Yeah. This is why a lot of people become Calvinists because they, they look at, you know, certain people are, are, you know, preordained or destined to not come to Christ. Well, they, God knows this, but we don't. God corrected me one time at this when it comes to Calvinism. Or I asked a guy one time, <clears throat> Calvinism being the idea that only there's only certain people selected to come to the Lord. And here's what God told me to ask him. Do men need to be saved? They said, yes. I didn't even know where God was going with this until we were done. And he said, uh, does God, and then I, I said, does God save men? And he said, yes, you know, people. And then God told me to ask him this, Do does God know who will and won't receive him? He said, yes. And I said, do you? And he said, well, no. And I said, that's right. Our job is to deliver the gospel to all the world. It's not to try to be God. And so we're to stay, <clears throat> we're to stay out of that. But when we talk about Repentance, you can't, the reason people, some people cannot come to repentance is because they can never see themselves without God the way that they are. No, humanism tells you you are God. Well, you're the devil and God. You're good, bad. You're the center of all things. And if we stay the center of all things, then Christ can't be the center. I think it's what we're saying. That's here. right. But I just want to reiterate this. The same Jesus that said everything hangs on these two things, loving God and loving people the way God loves them. If everything depends on that, everything comes down uh, to that one thing, I don't think Jesus would say that frivolously. That's why he came back to the church at Ephesus, who had been taught by the Apostle Paul how to love, literally. He described a relationship, a marriage, how to love the way God loves. And, and by the way, guess what? It's for life. All of this, well, everything seasonal. Well, everything seasonal, then I'm going to die. You know what Jesus but as Christians, we should be friends for life. You know what Jesus is saying? I'm in it for life, and I hope you're in it for life. Yeah, Jesus was all in, and it's all, you know, well, as long as things work out, Christianity. He, he proved it. He was all in. He hung on that cross and suffered. A sinless man suffered. He completed his work. So when he came back to the church at Ephesus, what he's saying is, you, you have this knowledge, but somehow in becoming good, your great call, which is protecting doctrine and watching out for false apostles, in becoming good at that, You've lost the principle of love. Remember what he said to the, to the Pharisees when he says, you tithe on mint, cumin, and dill, like the smallest things? Yeah. But you've left the greater things undone, mm -hmm. and this you all do, mm -hmm. but without leaving that 
done, and one of those is love, right? Because you you're you're doing the right stuff, but you're not doing it for the right reason. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And it and it's all comes from the heart. So I think out of this, we'll we'll just wind it down here. I think out of this we get this. We need to have the heart of God towards people, but you can't have the heart of God if you don't spend time with God. Mm-hmm. So to boil it down to something simple. If we, the more time we spend with God, the more we're going to know how much, how much he loves us. Yes. Then we're going to know how much he loves the other guy. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to have God's heart on how we love the other person. You know, love is so deep, it's a mystery. It is a mystery. And we're still going to try and figure this out long as yeah. forever. You know what I mean? It's just because God is love. So that's a that's is, a mystery. Not just does love, is love. And then we should be like seeking it all the time, asking yeah. God for more of it, more of it, more of it. You know, so like if I like don't wash the dishes. Yeah, thank you, Mike. You need to. You, you know need what? to get away. So good. I gotta say, I don't have to cook supper as much no more. You will ask sometimes, but you don't. You don't. You, know, you don't expect it. Like, I got a great one. The Lord never complains, even though I'm a slob sometimes. And I like cooking supper. You know, when I do. Yeah. Cause I love you, cause I know you like home food. Mm-hmm. I'll sit here trying to think of something, something you fussed at me about, but Sherry Dutton, Marcus, you and I got better. We deserved in the wife area, did we? <laughs> but well, no, I think I think uh, you know, and love begins at home. Charity begins at home. So I want to kind of wrap it up here, because <clears throat> I, th- I think we've kind of completed this thought for today. Uh, I do want to read this one scripture. I ended. Ah, man, I was going to read this quote of Spurgeon, but I'm just going to read this one scripture, which I've, I, I think I brought into every sermon so far because it's strong language, man. But, you know, um, we've got to receive the word the way it's given. we got to have that strong language. We really do. We, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this with a loving tone. Yeah. Okay. First John 4, 20. Uh, I'll just go ahead and read 20 through 21. If someone says, I love God, so could we all agree he's talking about believers here? If someone says, I love God, and yet he hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. And the word hate here, we've got to be careful because somebody said, well, I don't hate them, but, okay. Anything less than love the way that God has told us to love is akin to hate. Mm-hmm. That's a hard truth, but it is a truth. There's no middle ground. <clears throat> There's no middle ground. So I, don't, I don't hate them. I just don't like them, and I wish they would die and go to hell, but I don't hate them. Um, you know, it's, Again, that's not how God sees no. them. So if we say we love God, and I'm going to change it up a little bit here, and don't love others the way he loves us, then we're a liar. We don't love God. Now, I'm going to say this. It may not mean, it, it, it may not, it may mean in that moment. It could be in that particular circumstance. But we got we got to re- reconcile that, okay? So then John goes on to say, for the one who, who does not love his brother and sister, and so he comes at it from the reverse, whom he has seen cannot. It's impossible. Cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him again. This is brought back in. Everything hangs on this. That the one who loves God must also love his brother and sister. So if you think Jesus talking about the first and second greatest commandment is something other than this, you're wrong. John just dispelled that. It is one thing. that This is the commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God must also love his brother and his sister. So on that note, Lori, would you pray over all of us who are listening to this today and, and that we want to be better yeah. in this? Okay. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your word and how you describe your love, that you are love. 
and that how you want your children to love. And Lord, we just pray that we continue continue to seek you, have that relationship in order for us to begin to understand. We here on earth we can't understand it fully, but one day in heaven we may. So, Father, in the meantime, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can walk in it in faith. And we thank you, Jesus, for giving us grace and forgiveness and all these things, Lord, as we walk in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, until next time, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. God bless you. And uh, we'll see you next time on the After Church Hour. My glory. Thanks for listening to the After Church Hour with Mike and Lori Phillips. If you'd like Mike and Lori to answer your questions, you can send them to Pastor Mike at PathwayLiving.com. That's Pastor Mike at PathwayLiving.com. If you'd like to stay up to date with our podcast, please subscribe or download the Pathway app on any iOS or Android device. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you after church next week.